0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Oh, yeah, baby. We're talking playoffs. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. What a game. What a finish. What a crazy season this continues to be. And it's not done yet. Welcome to our live Texans Colts postgame show no I'm not on caffeine I'm not on any drugs this is just the Texans drugs. Sean (laughs) welcome aboard Sean Bajani with sports radio 610 brother
0: incredible win man it it was (laughs) it it wasn't feeling very good in that second half you know when the Texans just absolutely couldn't figure out a way to stop the run uh in the Colts from just moving down the field but they some way somehow man pulled this out and I got to tell you, there's there's a lot of clutch players in the second half. Uh, Dalton Schultz has got to be right up there. I mean, they needed another guy to step up aside from Nico Collins in the second half. Somebody to be able to be in, in, a viable option for C.J. Stroud to continue to move the ball. He was that. You know, Andrew Beck made a big play, the touchdown. Eric Saubert had a big play on an incredible drive. I just an incredible team effort, to be honest with you, in a game which was probably one of their most sloppiest games that we'd seen in a long time with all the penalties. I mean, they'd shot their right foot off in the first half with a shotgun and decided to go ahead and waste the left one in the second half with all the penalties. But somehow they they make it out of here and they're going to the playoffs maybe with a chance, a chance to be af south AFC South Division champions for the first time in a long time. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, they were so clean last week, and then all the penalties Cheers. in this one. But, uh, yeah, you're you're right. Um, th- they made it a little bit more difficult than it needed to be with all the penalties. Larry says, what a big W. Thank you, Larry, for joining us. William says, incredible win for an incredible team. C.J. Stroud, 20 for 26, 264 yards, two touchdowns. We saw him do this a year ago in a big situation against Georgia. Um, Just unbelievable under pressure. Zero interceptions, only threw five pits in 15 games in his rookie season. Ridiculous, especially with the yardage and the yards per throw. Only three games, Sean, in his rookie season did he actually throw an interception. That's it.
0: Yeah, it was it was a great season for CJ Stroud. I mean, it was un- unthinkable. You didn't expect this. I mean, I don't think you expected anything close to this type of individual performance. Uh, there's going to be plenty of time. We've got an extended season now to talk about this stuff. We have a whole off season. And whenever that begins, we'll have an opportunity to talk about it. But going back to the preseason. If you go back and and have those discussions, listen to them, rather, um, what were the expectations by this team? You couldn't get anything solid, but I think you and I both agreed that, you know what, this team should have an opportunity. When you get to weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, they should be the team in the right side of the column that says in the hunt. And you know what? They'd been that team all season long, but they'd done it in a way that cleaned football, disciplined football, heads-up football, at times very sexy football, offensively and defensively, they did it in ways that you really just didn't imagine them doing it. And now it doesn't matter. You, you, you've exceeded all expectations and maybe at least met yours, if you're the team, and you're going to play extra football now.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget CJ Stroud did this tonight. We kind of have to remind ourselves what the Texans were handcuffed with. No Woods. No uh Tank Dell. Top three three of his top four receivers out. Um, Noah Brown out as well. You know, we found out a couple of days ago. Woods, we found out right before game time. Three of his top four receivers out. Three of his five starting offensive line out. He had a, a rookie center playing guard. He had a trash heap center playing center. He had a right tackle that, you know, was barely on the roster in camp, playing right tackle. He he had his number one running back, basically had a terrible year. He was relying on his number two running back to carry the load. He had no defensive ends. The two of the best defensive ends in the NFL were out for this game, Sean. There was so many injuries for the Texans to overcome. And I and you know, in my in my opinion, this game wouldn't have even have been that close because if Will Anderson and John Grenard would have been out there, the the running game wouldn't have gone off the way. We always talk about what those two guys do as pass rushers. They're very good against the run as well. And that matters. And and yeah. you could tell that they missed those two guys setting the edge, doing the things that they did against the run. I mean what the Texans were able to do despite all of that stuff and then going out on the road. I mean, just uh, get, get us, get in the comments. What do you guys think? But Sean, that to me, that's a big story tonight and we forget because we're just used to all these injuries. It's what the way it's been.
0: Yeah, it's the way it's been. I mean, you, you've almost become uh desensitized to a degree, Uh but I, at the same time, I mean, you just went through it all pretty much. Um, at some point, it, it breaks. At some point, uh, it's just something that you just can't withstand. Um, and you get contributions from guys at times when your backup's against the wall because of injury, because of circumstance, tonight it being, you're on the road in a win go home game against the team that you've historically struggled to beat at their place, though so you've had more success here, you know, in the last five, six, seven years up there. Uh, but you get contributions from guys like Majai Sanders tonight, Derek Barnett probably thinking the whole game, man, I didn't sign up to play 60 snaps, you know, on the edge for you guys. Like, you know, 30, 40% of the snaps here or there, hey, I'm good. But, I mean, man, he came up huge. Blake Cashman is probably one of my players in the game tonight, especially in the second half. Um, you go back and you look, that moment in the game in the second half when Jerry Hughes goes out with energy, uh, an injury, the culture just dinking, dunking, run, 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 dink, dunk, run. And after that Hughes injury, which, you know, there was an injury timeout, D'Amico Ryans, Matt Burke, and that defense, they figured something out. They changed something. Because at that point in time, um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, was like 21 carries for like 165 yards thereafter. I don't know when he ended up with the last handful or so, but he ended up for like four more carries were like negative three yards, and the Texans continued to get stop after stop after stop on third down. They figured something out. The game within the game within the game. D'Amico Ryan's won that, and ultimately he won the war tonight.
1: Yeah, let's unpack this. uh, uh, Real uh, heads up to David Williams, um, Houston Texans, Dave, Ant Network, all uh, commenting. Keep it coming, guys. Um, Let's unpack it. In Colts' first possession, there was an early hands-to-the-face penalty on Desmond King. Gets their drive going, 11-play, 56-yard drive. But Minshew, with an incompletion, makes the Colts settle for the field goal. But the Texans' first offensive play, Sean, play action. Oh, boy. I've been waiting for this one all year. This, is, this reminds me of old school Gary Kubiak, Matt Schaub, you know, the play action to start the game, go deep. This is when you hit him with the big play. Schaub didn't have that arm. Stroud does.
0: I don't know that Gary Kubiak, though, did it with a three-tight end set on the first play of the game <laughs> on the road in that, in that kind of situation. I mean, that was incredible. Three-tight end set, bunch formation, and the safety. I can't remember who it was by the Indianapolis Colts, but it was all set up because Schultz, you know, is running that little shallow crosser, freezes the safety, which whoever that safety was had no business even concerning himself with Dalton Schultz and leaving that corner solo over the top alone on Nico Collins, he should have gone for help because Schultz was preoccupied with a line with linebackers who just killed that crossing route. Probably would have should have gotten a flag (laughs) to be honest with you on defensive pass interference or something. Um, And that's what really allowed that play to break open. I mean, you know, at this point in time, Nico matched up man on man against anybody. He's killed man coverage all season long. Nico's gonna win, and with the arm of C.J. Stroud, he can just go get it. I mean, he—it's it, literally a foot race. I'm gonna run faster than you, longer than you, because my quarterback's gonna put it out there, and that's exactly what C.J. Stroud did to blow the top off uh, on that first offensive play of the game for the Texans. That was monumentally huge.
1: Nico basically put the entire Texans receiving core on his back. Nine, nine catches, 195 yards, more Nico later on. But Colts go three and out, thanks mostly to a Christian Harris sack on a blitz. Well designed in the first two possessions. Harris, one quarterback hit, one tackle for loss, one sack, two solo tackles. He was everywhere early. The Texans' next possession shut down on a third and one. Singletary stacked up behind the line. What do you think of that play call, Sean? I mean, did you like just going up the I mean we've tried all sorts of things on short yardage and Texans just you know with this offensive line you're just not going to be good on short yardage until they can get get guys healthy next year.
0: I mean they don't they don't have road graders and you know they've got guys playing out of position, they've got you know second, third, maybe fourth tier guys, you know, starting for them. Uh, and I, I'm really saying that about Michael Dieter, the center, just because of that's what they thought of him all season long. I mean, he was uh, after not even a thought to, at any point in time, play left guard for this team. They waited until multiple injuries and taken three different starting centers out before they had called his number. So they're just not road graders.
1: Yeah. It's, they they were getting that. You watch that again. And the push considering how many guys that they were really hot up front that, the defensive lineman really pushed and Tunsil was even pushed back and he's just not as much as I like Tunsil. And we're going to talk more Tunsil <laughs> a little bit later, but as much as I like him, he's not a really good run blocker. So the next Colts possession Texans D forces a punt thanks to good coverage by Houston Carson and Stingley on second and third down. Those two guys doing the job, the Texans offense stopped at midfield with their next shot, but the defense responds with another quick Colts punt. So the Texans, offense back um, on the field, trying to get something going. But on a fourth and short, Sean, I mentioned Tunsell, the pro bowler, uh, not the best game for him as second false start of the half.
0: Yeah, it was a false start on a third and five. And it just took you out of third and manageable to third and 10. And, you know, the Texans end up not going for, you know, on a fourth and three at the Indianapolis forty-six. Uh, it was not even is, a third
1: and five. It was a third and short. And it was basically a, a short yardage, if I remember correctly, right? It was like a um because it was, I think it was I mean, third it was and, and I thought it was
0: third and five. I think I think no, it was it, third it, and it, five.
1: Well, that was the first false start. The second false start was a fourth and short. Um yeah, you might be yeah, right. So, but
0: it didn't matter. That was the one where Johnston ended up punting to the to the Colts one yard line, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. They 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 get the punt there and and then the Texans D um Forces another punt. Offense gets it going. Again, huge screen on third and short to Nico. 29 yards to the eight. Nice play design, I thought, by Slowick on that one. Um, The screen passes this year, Sean, it's just night and day from what we've seen in the past. I mean, this this is something that I've watched for the Texans for 20 years. I've watched screen passes, mostly fail for 20 years. And for the first time, you you feel like Slowick designs these screen passes that actually work. And there was a couple of really good ones in this game.
0: Well... The difference is this year, you know, the the idea you don't have to go right to it. It's not you get the snap and then zip it over there for the screen. It's there's a little hesitation. And if you don't have any hesitation to where you make that defense think even for a millisecond, then you're setting yourself up for failure, really. Um there has to be a slight little bit of hesitation to allow your blocks to get out there and so if you go a little pump or if it's just a little slow in getting it out there and a little hitch step maybe back and release you know by the receiver to catch that screen it's a beautiful thing because you allow the necessary blockers whether it be tight end tackle guard to get out there pick up those blocks and you're always going to have to make you know at least that first guy miss off of the screen maybe the second guy depending on how the block set up but to me, that's been the biggest part of the success for the screen game this year in a slow-designed offense is just it's it's not so identifiable so quickly for a defense.
1: So, Nico Collins, with that screen pass, five catches, 129 yards in the first half. Unreal. They finish the drive with a touchdown to a wide open. Andrew Beck, Beck was good there. There was a little issue later on in the in the game that, uh, he made things a little bit harder on um, that last drive, but right there, Andrew Beck got the job done. Sean,
0: he's wide open. <laughs> he's wide. It, it's it's just kind of uncanny, um, but it it makes sense at the end of the day. I mean, look, Goodson was you know the guy open out of the backfield on the last offensive play of the game for the Colts. There, he drops a sure first down on a fourth and one to basically end the football game uh, for the Colts tonight. He'd caught six passes all year long. Eric Saubert for the Texans caught a big pass. It was only for five yards, uh, but it was for a first down. You know, early in that 12 play 73 yard drive for that touchdown or for the field goal, I guess it was. Um, that,
1: no, that was that, a touchdown. T- touch touch? Tex- yeah. yeah, it was a
0: touchdown. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like guys like Saubert, Beck, like the least thought of maybe the least successful guys on both sides of the ball tonight ended up factoring in. And that's generally the way it's going to be. You dig deep help. Johnny Johnson. The third was available tonight for the Houston Texans because <laughs> Robert Woods, you know, couldn't go in this game. I mean, you got to dig deep sometimes doesn't mean you're necessarily going to use those guys. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson, you know, was, was given opportunities tonight and, Sometimes he made a play, sometimes he didn't make a play, but he wasn't a big part of the game plan. Metchie wasn't a big part of the game plan. The fact that the Texans were able to go Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, and Devin Singletary, I know he didn't even rush for three yards per carry, but still massive part of the game plan and big props to Slowick and this offense for being able to utilize the only three dudes that everybody knew that you had to have to win this football game Sometimes you were successful, sometimes you weren't, but you went out and did it anyway. I mean, that takes massive balls, but it also takes execution. And the Texans executed beautifully tonight.
1: David Williams says, Nico is a number one receiver. That's what I keep telling people. Yeah. He's a number one, like, oh, we got to draft the number one receiver. And the, the, no, we don't. Why no. don't we have to talk about this 18 weeks after the fact? N- Nico
0: Collins has been a number one receiver from from day one. From day one. I mean, He hadn't been the sexiest guy. He's not Tank Dell. I mean, just because a guy does what Tank Dell does doesn't mean he's not, you know, a number one receiver. He's been your go-to guy. He's had the most catches. He was your go-to guy early on with Robert Woods on third downs. Who do you go to when you need a first down? More times than not, you're going to go to your, your number one receiver. Who do you go to more times than not to take the top off, to stretch the field, take shots? your number one receiver that's been nico collins all season long with or without tank dell
1: dude he's sexy to me he's wearing victoria's secret he's got some perfect perfume the guy catches everything he (laughs) makes deep catches he makes short catches he makes big runs after catch he makes big catch he doesn't drop much of anything he catches the football and that's what i care about yeah yeah so yeah it's it's he's incredible um, just, you know, get as long as he's on the field. That's the only thing you ever worry about him is injuries. But, you know, he was only out, you know, a very short time this year.
0: That th- this back touchdown drive that we're talking about, where he ended up wide open uh, on a on that eight play 57 yard touchdown drive. During that drive, Nico Collins turned a one yard screen into a 29 yard game because he mowed over two freaking dudes and damn near a third if he wouldn't have stepped out of bounds. It's just, that's what he's been doing all season long, and you saw it time and time and time again tonight, just as you had, you know, the previous, you know, 14, 15 games that he played for you this season. It's just uh, an underrated, you know, player because he was on a crappy team in a crappy, vanilla, middle school, you know, designed offense last year with pep you suck hamilton who for whatever reason five years ago was an up-and-coming head coaching candidate and whose eyes i don't know but
1: what davis mills couldn't he he was missing five and ten yard patterns by five and ten i mean i I kept saying it last year the guy was not accurate nico catches everything as long as it's Within distance of him catching it. If it's five yards yeah. over his head, he can't catch the. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, when football. a
0: 35 year old quarterback who's put on 30 pounds in the last five years and, you know, can't exactly, uh, you know, run around with the best of them anymore, Case Keenum beats you out um, for two pivotal games in the course of a season because your starter goes out due to injury. I mean, there's a problem there. Uh, yeah. you're 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 not a viable, you know, starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, nor even a backup, at least in your coach's eyes. So there is that too, yes.
1: Yeah, Davis Mills kind of probably wondering why he's taking Shrapnel on a game where the Texans get the playoffs, but and he wasn't even playing. But the Colts with the two minute drive <laughs> for a <laughs> the Colts with the two minute drive for a field goal, a couple Texan penalties help a bit. Texans go conservative with forty seconds and end up punting. But overall, great first half Stroud. 151 yards, two TDs, great defense. But then the second half starts, and it's bad. Singletary slips on a well-set-up screen. A Schultz false start, pulls him back, and then a sack kills the possession. Then Jonathan Taylor with that 49-yard touchdown run. I got to ask you about that one, Sean, because Cashman. So he missed a tackle near the line of scrimmage. He didn't look healthy in this game. It's not the guy we've seen this year. I didn't think this was the Cashman I was used to.
0: I mean, I, it was afterwards, you know, where Cashman really started kind of stuffing the run. I mean, the tech, you, you couldn't really say anybody who looked great in the run game for the Texans, um, you know, outside of the, maybe the interior tackles. And look more times than not, when you run in between the tackles, there's going to be problems. Right. But uh, with Tier Tart, Khalil Davis, Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, you know, at times they had good moments in the ball game tonight, but, Look, to that point when Taylor busted that 49-yard run, I mean, nobody looked good. I thought Blake Cashman ended up being huge down the stretch for the Texans. He ended up leading the team at 13 tackles tonight. Um, At halftime, uh, it was Denzel Perryman leading the team, or Christian Harris, rather, leading the team with six tackles, I believe. And here comes Blake Cashman just uh, doing what he does. Look, he's probably not healthy. He's probably not. But, you know, at this point in time, who is 100% healthy? I, you get it and that that's why this win is so special. That's why this win is so huge because all the repeated times you'd shot yourselves in the foot with penalties and the inability to stop the run first time you allow any single rusher all season long to go over a hundred yards on you and it's Jonathan Taylor, the night where you absolutely needed to stop the run the most you thought and you didn't and you somehow still win with being you know the most penalized team within the game. Blake Cashman playing hurt, Will Anderson playing hurt. All these guys busted up and then grinded it out. Michael Dieter was limping around like a 65-year-old man out there in and out of the medical tent tonight, and I got to give it to him. He stuck it out, man, and he made some key blocks, you know, down the stretch. You know, it might only be for three yards, four yards, but it's putting the Texans in, you know, second manageable, third manageable situations and that's what they're looking at. When they, get, when they go in the film room, that's the kind of stuff that they're looking at. They know Dieter who just got, you know, banged up on the last couple of plays and bossed around. He comes out, sticks it together, takes on a double team, and pushes a guy, you know, three yards up the field to allow Singletary to go to work. That's the kind of stuff that that, that you're going to be talking about. Guys, coaches are going to be talking about. Players are going to be talking about. And that's what helped them win the game tonight.
1: Yeah, injured guys inspiring everywhere. Tank Dell. You know, he wasn't in Indianapolis. He had to go to the Cougars game early in the day because he did to inspire the Cougars basketball team to blow the crap out of West Virginia in their first Big 12 game. So, man, injured Texans just showing up and providing inspiration <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Jalen Petrie, he sells out on that run. Sean, just out of control, flying into the line. Just, I'm, I'm, t- I'm tired of Petrie at this point. I'm just... I didn't. I don't like that. I don't like the chances that he takes because more often than not, they're just they're not working. Uh,
0: it's probably a ninety percent failure rate if we're being honest. You don't call his name much. Um, you know, if you're a PA announcer in an NFL stadium, this you just don't. Uh, now he he did make some plays tonight, but and it was a lot. You know, a couple of them particularly late. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that was just kind of a the epitome of what his season has been. Really, if we're being fair, what his first couple of seasons in the NFL has been. He had a nice year last year, you know, some interceptions, uh, you know, led the the team in tackles, blah, 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 whatever, because he had to. The run defense sucked, and it was just a bad team overall. But, look, more times than not, when you play with your head down, you're going to miss. You're going to swing and miss. I mean, he's literally like the Adam Dunn of the NFL. You're going to – it's feast or famine. You know, very few and far between is this cat going to hit home runs, but he hit at least a couple of gappers tonight late, right? You know, where he made some big plays at the line of scrimmage to stop the run.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of them. I mean, just I i, I kind of wonder, I want to check to see if he actually has arms because I don't see him using them <laughs> when he tries to tackle guys. Old anyway, T-Rex <laughs> arms. Yeah, he doesn't use them. Uh, anyway, the Texans' next possession, quick three and out. Colts have momentum, but Texans get a break. Matt Gay Hits the upright on the 57-yard field goal, and that helps a lot because Stroud then makes a couple of nice runs when the Texans get the ball. Third and short, Stroud tries to hit Hutchinson on that tough pass. It's incomplete, but, Sean, th- even though the Texans settled for a field goal, I think the refs missed something on the Hutchinson pass because there were two penalties I saw. Number one, they held him. Number two, there was a face mask.
0: I didn't see the face mask. Uh I thought there was a hold. I don't remember seeing the face mask.
1: Yeah, the guy when they, when they when the when he, you know, he's trying to catch the pass and they were hitting him from all different angles. They 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 grabbed his face mask or whatever. I mean, it's nothing else. It's like a it was either a face mask or it's a hit to the illegal hit to the head to a defenseless receiver. I mean, he's defenseless right there. So yeah. I don't I don't I don't get, you know, it just like th- those were two big Missed one. I I mean,
0: I actually thought he should have come up with that ball. Um, You know, he he made a tough catch earlier in the game. His first catch of the game, it was through traffic, you know, for maybe four or five yards, whatever, something up the middle, a little hitch route Um, that, you know, he was fully extended, ball hit him square in the hands. And I know a hand came in late. Um, If he, if he gets it initially, he's probably pulling it down by that hand by the time that hands coming in. It's just, that's a play that you know what i'd be willing to bet you robert that in seven months uh you know when you're in the heart of preseason that'd be seven months there'd probably be around yeah yeah training camp you know preseason this guy's gonna be better he's good man hutchinson's good you you could see it that when when bobby slow talks about like everybody has really good to elite qualities and we got to figure out like how to use them, how to exploit those, I mean, at least you're giving Hutch an opportunity. What Hutch is really good at is, you know, sticking a foot in the ground and boom, you know, getting upfield, fighting through contact, uh, being that big physical force, kind of like a Nico Collins, you know, I see some qualities there, but you got to catch the ball and you got to learn to catch the ball in traffic. And that's what I think Hutch is really going to end up having to work on the most this offseason. And probably some route running where he doesn't have to make so many balls that difficult, right? I think sometimes balls can be a little bit more difficult when you fade into your route versus, you know, hitting it flat, staying sharp. Things like that make it easier on your team, easier on your quarterback, easier on yourself. So I think he's going to end up making plays, uh, you know, in the future for this Texans team.
1: All right, we're about to get to the good stuff. I will also add that one catch, six yards for Hutch in this game. One catch, five yards for Mechie in this game. Boy, if you don't get those two receivers back for the playoffs, it's going to be tough to win a game with. It can't be just all Nico. We're going to start to get to the teams that really know how to control one guy, if that's all all you got. But let's get to the good stuff. Texans D continues to struggle in the third. Colts drive with help from a personal foul on Desmond King. I thought it was a personal foul. There's nothing weird about that. Jonathan Taylor gets injured. Maybe that helps the run defense at that point because then the Colts are forced to kick a field goal game tied. Then the Texans put together the drive of the year. They overcome a C.J. Stroud sack, a Andrew Beck holding penalty. Singletary finishes it off with the touchdown run, but Sean there's only two plays we got to talk about in this drive and really maybe just one play. There's two big throws to Nico and that first one, brother, what I, 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 I've given up. I thought he was throwing it away. I'm like, I, 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 what, what we caught it, huh? I
0: think CJ probably looked a little surprised on that one too, because, you know, he's fading back, throws it off his back foot and just flicks it. And it looked like a case Keenum throw. It is, is it Keenum had stepped up in the pocket and just put all the mustard, you know, he possibly could have on that ball and boom, Nico's Johnny on the spot, man, 14 yards, bada bing, bada boom, you know, followed up by boom, Schultz, boom, Singletary, all that stuff. He talked about, um, you know, a penalty or two that they had to overcome Hell, They overcame a second and 20, a second and 14, a second and 13, they had a third and three conversion on that drive um it it, it was it was huge you when it, you're not understating it when you say the drive of the year biggest biggest game, biggest drive at the time of the season for sure um and it ends in a touchdown I mean that was huge, and again, it cannot be understated when the defense knows you got one cat, maybe two. I get Dalton Schultz's flowers man, but you got two dudes that you know that you can really throw the ball to in the pass game and you can hit them like that, 14 yards to to Nico, and then, boom, nine yards to Schultz. A couple plays later, 23 yards to Nico again, um, and you put yourself in position to where you can lean in heavy to the run. You're down the goal line. I'm going to let Motor go to work, and he does. He eats. He gets that three-yard touchdown run. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. When you can, when you're sitting first in goal and you need three yards for a touchdown and you can do that, you could say, I'm going to give it to this cat and he's going to go score. But you're saying the same thing when you're on your own 35 yard line. And it's just, I've got to establish the run. I've got to do it. And three yards, two yards, four yards don't look great back there, but it's everything when you're in the red zone. and 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 that's, that's where the Texans really, I think, uh, with Bobby Slow tonight, you know, flexed their muscle, dropped their balls a little bit, and said, "You know what? We're on the road. This is our time. Let's go get it. We got to do it." And they did it. They seized it.
1: You you mentioned Singletary. It's not going to look good on paper: twenty-four carries, sixty-three yards. But let me just say something about Devin Singletary. He got everything he could out of what he had, and the thing that Singletary does so yeah. well. And I made a big deal about this early in the season because Damian Pierce was not doing it well. Singletary was waiting. He was holding. He was waiting for stuff to develop in front of him at times. He wasn't just running straight as hard as he could into a hole. He was taking his time when it was needed to. Sometimes there wasn't anything there immediately. And then he would wait. And then there was something he might get him two or three yards that he wouldn't have had. Because he waited for a couple of seconds. And really that was the secret to to Singletary. The only bad thing you could say about the last drive, Fairbairn ugh, picks the worst time of the year yeah. to miss his only extra point. Sean, was that on Mr. Reliable John Weeks with the snap, or was that on Mr. Reliable Kymie Fairbairn with the kick?
0: You know, I don't Joe Buck was saying it was a high snap. I I don't I don't know like if it's a high snap maybe it throws the timing off just like just a hair but kaimi has been so calm cool collected doesn't matter if it's if he's kick, kicking from you know 54 or you know a little chip shot field goal or an extra point like he's been in situations like this multiple times this season where CJ's gone and led. You know, two-minute drives to win games, and you got to have extra points. Thirty-nine, thirty-seven over the Bucks. You know, thirty whatever it was to thirty against the Bengals. You know, the week before, and there there have been these kinds of games. You know, the game early on against the Falcons, you score late and you take a nineteen-eighteen lead inside two minutes before Desmond Ritter. You allow him to do his thing. You needed Kyani then. I don't, I don't know. Like I saw the snap like twice. You know, they replayed it and. I just, I didn't think it was a thing. Sometimes bleep happens and bleep happened, <laughs> you know, tonight for Kaimi, And it was just going to be a hell of a deal. And it was that point where you're like, man, what's, how ironic is this? If there were two things that you asked me, Johnny, what can you hang your hat on tonight? What, what do you feel the most confident in? Number one, I would have said Texans stopping the run. They're going to continue to do what they do. Well, boom. There goes my left foot. What's the other thing? Kaimi Fairbairn, Cam Johnson, special teams, nails. Cam took care of business tonight. Coverage took care of business tonight. Return game took care of business tonight. But freaking Kaimi Fairbairn, a dude that's won you games this season, has been the most consistent guy. Maybe he's even a guy who's franchised this offseason. Who knows? Misses a freaking extra point and it could cost you. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, This is this is football, this is the NFL, of course it's going to happen this way. And thank god it didn't.
1: Yeah, and you give him credit, he hit the 52 yarder like it was easy. So that was a big one and three points, obviously more than the one point that he lost right there. And that's a big three. And that 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 three is not something all the kickers in the NFL can do like it's that easy. And he did it this last drive comes down to the fourth down drop. What else stuck out for you about this particular drive, Sean? I mean, they moved it down the field again. The Texans get the fourth down. Minshew, could the pass have been a little bit better? Yeah, but, you know, it's Gardner Minshew. I mean, the guy was open. I I, I mean, I guess you take the credit for that on on the defensive side because you you make him rush it just a hair. Yeah.
0: Well, Sorry, let me plug my computer and it's about to die.
1: (laughs) By the way, Brian also asked, we're going to get to your question uh, soon, Brian. Where does the game stack up in in Texans history? We're going to get to that in a second.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, You know, look, I, I mentioned this. Goodson had caught six passes all season long. There's a reason why, you know, if there was a veteran quarterback back there, uh, I maybe it's maybe it's different for them there's a reason why you don't trust a guy who's caught six passes all season long in a spot like that a gotta have it moment and you're gonna throw it to Goodson uh, you know there's probably people having that conversation but I'm gonna say this the Texans and Bobby Slowick they'd shown it a number of times this season you trust a guy like Eric Saubert you know a complete afterthought you trust a guy like Uh, Xavier Hutchinson you know he's going to get one play a game maybe two he did tonight John Mechie same thing there's certain guys you have to trust but you're not going to trust them in big moments like that if you flip the script you think C.J. Stroud throws a little bubble screen to Darian Gumbawale With the game on the
1: line. Could be Andrew Beck. That wouldn't surprise me. We've seen some strange calls to Beck. Yeah,
0: do you go naked bootleg, little floater over the top to Andrew Beck? I mean, I don't know. Gardner Minshew pulled off a freaking little pop on the two-point conversion, a little pop pass earlier in the ballgame. I just think, like, hey, look, it worked. For the Colts, it worked. You got exactly what you wanted. You drew it up that way, wide open. I mean, he gets the first down and maybe plus two or three if he lowers his shoulder. He just thought about turning it up and lowering the shoulder and getting upfield before the ball even got there. Ball doesn't need to be perfect if you're throwing it to a guy that's used to, uh, you know, catching passes like that—a veteran guy where the ball doesn't need to be perfect. But dude's caught six passes all season long. It needs to be right in his chest, you know. I don't, I don't know. Like it. It, it's it's a little bit of luck if you want to catch it that way but it's also uh it's it's just also kind of like victim of circumstance like i'm talking about you know the guy hadn't been trusted all season long and you put him in the biggest spot you know with your season hanging in the balance and he didn't come up with it
1: all right um i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about and maybe you wanted to talk about uh, Cam's ability to run out the clock, his speed—was there more cutback that he could do in the end zone? Did, I mean,
0: did you see? Did you see? Because the the camera panned to D'Amico on the sideline after, after uh the you know Cam ran out of the back right of the end zone. Before all that happened, during the timeout, Frank Ross, the special teams coordinator, you, there's a shot of him in the huddle, and he is just mm, mm, mm. gotta do this, do this. We're not doing this. Da, da, da. I guarantee you. And D'Amico's right there next to Frank when he's telling him what to do. I guarantee you, Frank Ross was like, there's not gonna be any time left on the clock. <laughs> We're gonna run this thing out. It's gonna be fine. It's Cam knows what to do. We've practiced this, it'll be great. And Cam Johnson's ass, you know, like runs out the back right of the end zone so on the shortest side of the field. Like, <laughs> If you if you if you zig or even include a little zag in there, or run to the far side of the field, you know that back pile onto the end zone. There's no time left, and then they shoot the D'Amico after there's one second left on the clock, and D'Amico's like, "Man, what? The, WTF, dude? Like you said, there was not going to be any time left, Frank. That's all I was imagining going on in his head, and uh, yeah." I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'd throw a lot of money down that that was probably the thought in the conversation between D'Amico Ryans and Frank Ross. That was, that was definitely a thing. And then, look, there was a thought I was, you know, on the, on the free kick, you know, Cam Johnson kick kicking from his own 20. The ball certainly should have landed at least at the opposition's 20. He boots it to the 10. Um, to prevent something like that, I mean, skyrocket that bad boy, angle kick it to the back left or back right corner of the pylon. Let your coverage team get down there as far as they possibly can, and just take away any possibility of a lateral. You know, you pin them. Use the boundary. The boundary is your friend. Uh, That—that's what I was thinking. It didn't work out that way, but Texans again, they executed when when they absolutely needed to. They executed and you know, they got a little help. Thank you, Goodson. All
1: right. That, that leads to the last question or the next question that we got. If anybody else has got questions, let us know. Um, where does this game stack in Texans history, Sean?
0: I don't know. We could talk it through. Um, I, I would say probably like immediately top five. I have to say top five. That that's easy. That's a go-to because then we can talk our way through it. But, I have to say it ranks really far up there because of where this team had come from the last three years. That's a part of the story. You can't ignore that. There are guys impact players on this team right now. Nico Collins, that was a part of that build, if you want to call it that, during the lean years. He was a part of a draft during years in which you were purposely tanking to lose for draft picks. and. When you get contributions from guys like that in games like this with a franchise quarterback in the way that you got them, all that has to factor in. And it's a regular season game, but it's just the ninth time in franchise history where you would won at least nine games. It's the fifth time in franchise history where you've won at least 10 games. It's uh, there's, there's so many firsts. This is the first time a first-year Texans head coach, I think, had gone to the playoffs, right? D'Amico um, Ryan's this transformation has been incredible. It was a hope. It wasn't an expectation day one, and it became an expectation. You threw away house money because of it. Um,
1: you say I, it's just a regular season game, but... It was a playoff game. I mean, you, it was you, you, at the you, end of the
0: day, yeah. I mean, it was it was win or go home, but it's going to be looked at as I mean, it it was regular season game, you know, in the second or third time you ever had to play seventeen games in an NFL season, whatever it is. Um, I mean that 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 is what it is. This game, I would imagine, if if we're operating in a vacuum. Probably going to be one of the most remembered by Texan fans if it stopped to tonight, and this was the the last Texan game ever, and you fast forward ten years and you say, "Hey, most memorable games in Texan's history go." Well, yeah, first, just because of the stage, like, are you going to remember blowing a twenty-four point lead to the Chiefs just because it was a divisional round playoff game, well, and that was as close as you ever felt to getting to a Super Bowl at that point in time?
1: I'm I'm going to go with the most memorable. Here's my most memorable wins, and I and I'm trying to figure out where I put this one in this group. But there's a couple of them that I just would put ahead of this one. Texans had never made the playoffs in their history. T.J. Yates. And it wasn't like this one at the end of the season where you win and get in. This was a couple of games before the end, but it it clinched the Texans getting in their first playoffs. TJ Yates at the end of the Bengals game on the road, you had no Matt Schaub. You had no Andre Johnson in that game. And he takes the Texans. I think it was like a 95-yard drive to win the game. Big plays all the way there. If you forgot about it, go back and look at it. Also on that list, the first Texans playoff game, the electricity of the crowd, the JJ Watt interception, those two immediately. Now, another one that I thought was like huge because you thought it was going to go somewhere in retrospect. It didn't go anywhere, but you thought you weren't going to win the Super Bowl this, but this is going to be the first of many big games for Deshaun Watson when he beats the Bills. Yeah. When he beats the Bills and then that Cowboys game. I mean, if you're not from Texas, if you haven't lived here your whole life, you don't understand, but beating them to open your entire franchise's history, being an expansion team with a bunch of expansion players and a rookie quarterback playing against the hated Cowboys, I don't care that it's not a playoff thing, but it's still, as as a Houstonian, as a Cowboys hater my whole life, like most Houstonians, that was a biggie. But I, I don't know where this one fits but it's not in the,
0: It's not the biggest. I, I saw a lot of people talking about this, like, what if scenario. And there was a lot of, a lot, I'm from Texas. Yeah, you know, 1910, that's going to be the most memorable. But, but it's like, in the
1: conversation of yeah, the big, of the big I, ones.
0: I, okay, fine. But it's not the best. Like, the fact that it's in the conversation means you have a lot of work to do and – um, CJ Stroud's need, he needs to play in a lot of big games in the next yeah, five, the, six, the, seven years. The first
1: <laughs> playoff game to me is still the biggest one to this point. The first playoff win and the JJ Watt interception and just that, just that, all of that that's stuff. JJ
0: Watt in that Buffalo Bills game, that's probably one and two. That's yeah. probably one and two. And, okay. and th- if this is this, this would probably be three or in the know. top,
1: it's in the top five. I know that. Easy. Yeah. Easy. I mean the fact that you're talking,
0: you've even referenced 19 to 10. This one's this one tops that. Come on, you know, like 1910. Every time something happens in the future, 1910 goes boop,
1: boop, Well, it's going to be 1910, and then our first Super Bowl is two, and then you know, from no. Here on, no, 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 you're telling me no, no, no.
0: To like some dork I saw on Twitter, <laughs> it was like I'm from Texas,
1: 1910.
0: It's always going to be 1910. But you it's a, bit, it's it. It, it's
1: still. Like the emotion of, I mean, just as a fan, the emotion of it was big. And this is not a playoff. That was game. cool.
0: You sucked that year, though. <laughs> and the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and the next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's the <laughs> you know? point of that. That's what makes it even more crazy is that you did it, even though you were terrible. Yeah. And, you, you know, yeah. but, but I'm glad like, we this, don't
0: have to talk about it anymore. I want to talk about uh, what was the final score of this game? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> whatever the, it was. 23 to 19. The thing is, looking
1: looking forward, looking forward. Um, And by the way, David says CJ Stroud rookie of the year. I think that was decided about like halfway through the season. I I don't think he needed anything to do to cement it. But um, looking at looking ahead, we got CJ Stroud, so we got a chance next week. We we obviously we got to wait and find out who they're playing, all that stuff. If you want to go see who we want them to play, go back to our show in the middle of the week because we talk quite a bit about that Cleveland. Um, yeah, well, he's kind of blowing. I'm, t- I'm trying to get people to click on the last show. <laughs> um, but here, here's the thing. Um, what I need to do right now is I need somebody to go find Miyagi and we need to do some of this stuff to get John Grenard and Will Anderson out there on an every down bait. Cause I would feel so much better. Forget the receivers. Those are the two guys that I want back in the lineup. I mean, those are the two guys that I feel like we got a shot cuz this defense looks can look pedestrian. I mean, this was a backup quarterback and there were times that we made him look better than he should have looked. But the biggest thing is those two guys. Everybody's again, I'm going to go back to it. Sean, I don't know if you agree with me. Every talks about those guys against the pass, against the run, they've been really good too. And that's the thing. We don't look as good against the run without those two guys out there. I mean, yeah, Yeah. we we looked okay. We looked okay, you know, without them against the Titans, but it's a Titans team that had given in, and it's a Derrick Henry that just wasn't the same guy anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but you're hoping that they beat the Jaguars tomorrow. At least I I think most people with a brain are. Um, You're hoping the Titans beat the Jags. You're hoping Vrabel, you know, is pissed off and he has his guys ready to go um, tomorrow. I don't know, like if you're saying like either or, who would you rather have? Would I rather have a healthy Jonathan Grenard or would I rather have a healthy Robert Woods and Noah Brown? That's actually a tough one for me because I think the Texans defense and I think the edge is good enough to get the job done against the Cleveland Browns. I think it's good enough to get the job done against anybody, to be quite honest with you. Um, I know Jonathan Grenard had 12 and a half sacks this year. But to me, I'd rather have two more viable options for C.J. Stroud offensively than I would just one guy defensively, I think. I think. And I'm kind of talking this through because... You know, if Will Anderson can progress and be more healthy this week, cool. That's good. Derek Barnett, good. He should be fresh. He's only been playing for like a month and a half. Um, You know, Jerry Hughes got hurt tonight. Maybe that changes things. He's old. Now he's banged up. You got to trust in Majai Sanders now and – You know, if you slapped an 81 on him, he'd look just like a receiver instead of a defensive end. You know, yeah, look, JG, it'd be great to have him back. I just, I don't feel good when you're without Robert Woods and Noah Brown. Um, I felt uneasy about things tonight because if I'm the Indianapolis Colts and I'm Gus Bradley and I'm looking at this Texans team and I'm saying, dude, you're, We know you're going to force feed Devin Singletary, Nico Collins, and Dalton Schultz the ball. We know. If we play disciplined, just smart, heads up football, if we just do our job, do your job, we're going to be fine. And the first play of the game, it's a basic, just mind like brain fart by the safety. He sees Dalton Schultz doubled. By linebackers on a shallow crosser. He hesitates for not just a millisecond, but dude just froze like he saw a ghost and lets Nico Collins smoke that corner all the way down the field. I mean, that's just the kind of mind numbing stuff. Like you game plan, you spend time in meetings on that. Can't happen. I I don't think a better team, and mind you, as intimidated as we all were about this Colts team, you were worried about this. It was a good football team, but they didn't have any more business making the postseason than you did if you're the Houston Texans, given how banged up you are. You don't face a Bills and a Chiefs or a Browns team next week. They're not going to make those kinds of mistakes because they're better football teams. So for those reasons, like I worry about how depleted this wide receiver core would be. I know it sounds crazy. Like, ah, we're fine with J- without JG. I just think that's how valuable options are to CJ Stroud. It keeps the offense, it keeps the defense rather true to itself.
1: Yeah, I just because John Grenard, I think, is like a blue chip type player right now, and CJ Stroud can, you know, it seems like you give CJ Stroud uh a piece of tape and some string. He's gonna be like MacGyver and create a nuclear bomb on offense. So he'll figure something out. Yeah, Where but at? he
0: did it with he did it with two players, Robert. That's the thing. He did it with two players. And it, it it's 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 gotta be talked about. The Texans ran the ball 24 times tonight with Devin Singletary for 63 yards, I think it was. Yeah. He ran it 24 times. And at no point in time did you ever say, Bobby's putting the putting this game in in Stroud's hands. You could. You never said that because there was such a balanced attack with pass, boom, run, run, boom, pass. It was very balanced, and Bobby had to do it. And it, if if this type of game is played week seven, week twelve, we might be crushing the hell out of Bobby Slogan For dang, why did you run the ball so dang much with Devin Singletary? You should have passed the ball more. You know, you should have looked around. Should have done more bootleg stuff like that it was important for Bobby Sloak to commit to the run the way that he did tonight but, but, and for motor to do what he did
1: Two reasons, But there's a, another reason. And this is not going to change, you know, by next week, the guys you're not getting back is the offensive lineman. And you also got to run because your offensive linemen are so bad that Stroud would get killed. If he's throwing a lot at this point, it, it just, you know, that's another part of this. That's why I say like, the offense can only be so good. There's like a governor on it because of this offensive line without question. So that's why I'm like, let's, let's get Grenard back because, you know, we always assume that, oh, one guy like a Stroud or a Nico Collins makes a huge, or Tank Dell makes a huge difference to many guys on offense. But I think Grenard, having Grenard back healthy, that's like, Going to do a down the line better defense all the way through. I think other guys get loose. I think Malik Collins might have more room to operate. Yeah. You know, Khalil Davis, he, he, he. We we don't talk about him. He's played pretty well considering, you know, not only that he's had to play more often. Um, you weren't expecting much of him, but also he's doing pretty well considering he's mostly played recently without Grenard and Will Anderson healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, no, no question. Uh, d- defensively, you know, before Jerry Hughes went down, like I felt very comfortable about you know being without Jonathan Renard because, you know, <laughs> the the interior's so strong, so deep. I mean, Heinisch has really come on. The coaches are really liking what he's doing, by the way, and he had a he had a pretty good game tonight, I thought. Uh, but between Heinisch and Tart, Rankins, Collins, um, and God, who else am I forgetting d- Davis? Um, it, how do you get deeper than that? How do you get deeper than that? You know, a couple of those guys just picked up in the last few weeks. Um, And then, you know, the edge, yeah, it's huge. It, you probably need Grenard more going forward. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Collins, Schultz. Stops there, dude. Uh Hutchinson and Mechie. You have an 18-week sample size. Slowick is—he's—that's like the little dash of parsley, you know, on the top of a meal. It's like bam—that it's like the emerald bam. That's it. That's all you get. You're going to get a little bit of bam Mechie, a little bam Hutchinson. It's not a major ingredient. You know what I mean? It's like it's eye candy. Bobby Slowick. Let's just. Hypothetical universe: If Robert Woods is not available for you next week, if your receiver core is what it is right now, today, next week, you've got to find a what you have to trust different dudes. If Johnny Johnson III is going to be active in your receiver core, then dang it, you got to trust him. You get you have to like utilize him the same way that you would a freaking Tank Dell. Or if it's not Johnny Johnson III, Steven Sims, you have to trust these guys and put them in position because you're allowing a better defense, a more experienced defense, to just zone in and shut down one or two dudes. You legitimately, you know, if I take away this cat, like I'd love to, I'd love to have seen it. If if tonight the Indianapolis Colts just were, were hell bent. Like you see on punt returns where you put two guys, two guys on that exterior gunner. I'd love to have seen that. If they just put two dudes on Nico Collins tonight, what that offense would have looked like. You, yeah. Know? Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to force you to go anywhere else with the football besides the, Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz, the, these two cats. Uh, so I, I just think if you're going to have healthy bodies – You got to be able to, the way that D'Amico Ryan's like philosophically has managed and coached this team this year. Like, I don't care if you're Majai Sanders. I don't care if you're a tier tart. I don't care if you're Kareem Jackson. I just scooped you up two days ago. You're going to play in 20 snaps. Like
1: he uses dudes, right? Yeah. And let's, let's not forget. Nico had nine catches in this game. Nine. One like he had 20 for his 195 yards. He just had nine catches, so and 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 targets nine targets, so that means that it wasn't like Stroud was like trying to force it to him every time or whatever, and other guys caught the ball, and there were other you know but the Texans four only, dudes. Yeah, the four Texans dudes only threw it pass. he only threw it twenty six times in the whole game yeah
0: that's it and 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 Collins and Schultz caught it fourteen times
1: combined, and he missed Schultz. And a big one, you know, just barely on one of those. And another one uh, was a was a little bit high to Schultz, but that would have been a tough pass because if he had got it down, it could have been intercepted. But um, really, uh, the only guy that you know just missed a lot of chances, I thought, was Hutchinson. He had four targets. Uh, one of those I remember he had no chance at. I'm trying to remember the other ones that that he missed, but I remember there was one he was in double coverage and and uh, Stroud was getting rushed and he had to make a a, a tough throw. Sean. I get. Let me. I, I was going to put this in because um, before we get anywhere close to closing it out, before I lose anybody, I just got to bring this up for just a second. It's eleven thirty at night as we're recording right now. Twenty-four hours from right now, forty-five years ago, the Houston Oilers were flying home from a thirty-four-five debacle in the AFC Championship game. They turned the ball over nine times in the AFC Championship game. It was a disaster against the Steelers. 45 years ago, and 45 years ago, in 24 hours, fans were at the airport. They lined the freeway. There, were, there was 40 to 50 grand in the Astrodome. And yesterday... I spoke to Mike Barber about that incredible, incredible moment in Houston sports history. And I, I can't imagine the Texans getting killed 34 to 5, embarrassing themselves in an AFC championship game and people waiting at the airport, lining six ten all the way to NRG stadium at midnight and having 40, 50,000 screaming, screaming fans. and go listen to that interview with Mike Barber. We talk about Love You Blue. I ask him about Earl and Bum, and he tells stories about those guys and Kenny Stabler and Carl Mock and and just that whole era. And of course, I ask him what he thought of the Oilers' uniforms and the Tennessee Titans. And of course, I ask him, how do we get Love You Blue into into D'Amico and the Texans? How do we get that sort of, magic back if you know it's almost impossible but what to do so go listen please I know a lot of you are Texans fans I don't care about the Oilers um I don't I wasn't alive I don't remember them but it's it's an incredible time in Houston history it's it's the most incredible time in Houston sports history it it, it was more incredible than the championships I can't explain it to you it's almost impossible to explain it to you that how could this be more more exciting than the Astros championships or the Rockets championships. There just was. And and if you go listen to them, you'll understand, go listen to that interview.
0: Yeah. Love you blue, man. <laughs> Love you blue. It's kind of like 1910 though, for me because I was negative whatever years old, whenever, you know, that was going on. Um,
1: I, I, you were you were just you were just a little bitty twenty years old when nineteen ten happened. I think they could barely get you out of your uh, your incubator to put your head up next to the television set
0: for 1910. I'm forty one, and before <laughs> I'm fifty, the Texans need to play and probably will have played more meaningful games than any team during the Love You Blue ever will have or ever could have possibly dreamed to have played. That's what needs to happen.
1: Two ASC uh, championship games. The only two AFC championship games in NFL history that happened in Houston, you know, with the Houston team. And it's going to be
0: topped in nine years. I, 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 hopefully it's topped within the next nine years before I'm 50 years old. God, I
1: hope so. I hope <laughs> because so. if
0: I'm fit, I swear, if I'm 50 years old and we're still talking about like the glory days of Love You Blue. Like, I'm going to want to scoop my eyeballs out and just my eardrums. Like, I'm so tired. I've been, since, I've been hearing John McClain talk about Love You Blue since he was 50 years old. Like, get out of here. I don't want to hear this crap anymore. Like, start a new era. Let's get Houston Texans going in that direction and then have it be so great that you just you forget about it. You, you just leave it in the past. It's kind of well. Like
1: you you your can have t- you can have two you can have two golden eras. Don't listen to him, guys. You can have two golden eras in, in a sports town for the NFL team. That can happen. I don't
0: want it to be the only golden era. Is what I'm saying, Rob. Yeah, have
1: yeah, two.
0: But I don't want that one. That one doesn't need to be on the top mantle. You know, that wouldn't need to be at the very top shelf of your bookcase. You can bump that one down, and you know, put some other stuff around it. That's you know more current. That's what the Texans' job is to do over the course of the next nine years before I'm fifty. That's my All goal.
1: Right. All right. Well, you need to go talk to CJ and Domenico <laughs> and tell them that that needs to happen. And and the other thing is this, you know, I, this city, we, we got to get, you know, this team has got to get them to get that pa- passion back. And I I'm not going to guilt anybody like, no, hey, no. I need you guys, but just like be okay in this cynical world. With a team that, if they just make it to the playoffs this year, what the hell? They won three games last year. They won 10 games. All right. John, 10. So, yeah. All right. So here
0: we go. Hey! Remember the conversation we had? When did you make me start picking like all the games and stuff? Like, yeah, you were, four, you were you were one
1: five. off. Yeah, you said eleven.
0: Well, I said ten because I we got to week eighteen and I was like, there ain't no way in hell I can Are make you, this you, team in eleven.
1: I <laughs> forgot you chickened out at the last second.
0: Yeah, I was <laughs> like, they can't. They're not going to win eleven games. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I didn't have them beating the Bengals. I don't think I definitely didn't have them losing to the Jets. Probably didn't have them, you know, losing some of these games down the road. Uh, you know, the last seven, eight weeks that they did, but forget all that. Here's the thing 20 out of the last 22 years coming into this season, 20 times out of the last 22 years coming into this season, a team has gone from last to first within its own division. For you, the Texans, to complete that circle, you need the Titans to beat the Jaguars tomorrow so you can become. AFC South champions. Even if that doesn't happen, man, what the Texans did this year, what (laughs) the the fact that you have all of this football to watch tomorrow and have it mean so much for just like everything that needs to happen for the dang Pittsburgh Steelers to get into the dang playoffs as a 10 and seven football team, a team that's had three different quarterbacks. Like, holy crap. Are you kidding me? Like they could be a playoff team. You know, at the close of business tomorrow, it's that crazy of an NFL season. It needs to be remembered, and I know it will here in Houston. That's really all that matters. But what the Texans accomplished, I really don't think even the Cleveland Browns can understand it, right? And the Cleveland Browns are a good football team this year. The Cleveland Browns won just their second road playoff game since 1969, just three short seasons ago when they beat the Steelers. But I don't even think like the armpits of America and in football can understand how far this city has come from Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien being the centerpiece of conversations for three straight seasons to having a complete culture change the way that we've seen it. I mean, that maybe that's something for the end of the season, you know, whenever that may be, to talk about at length, but that's just incredible to me. Um, and, and there's still people that are skeptics that aren't bought all the way in. Uh, and I, I I I do get it because it's just it was that bad for three years here.
1: I mean, Sean, I was literally thinking a couple of years ago, man, I need to go find another team. I was that angry and frustrated. The whole Easter beat hijacking my owner and my franchise, and they got a shot of the of Cal McNair up in the press box, and. I wasn't angry at the guy. I was that this was oh, in are you this talking game,
0: about the one and, time that Hannah was caught sleeping at the game.
1: I'm talking about in this in this game, I, oh, they showed Cal yeah, yeah, yeah. in the pre- <laughs> they showed him in the press box in this yeah. game. And I thought, you know what? I'm happy for that guy. You know, the, we all do stuff in our life where we screw up big time. And I don't know if I, I've had a Jack Easterby screw up, but that guy got it straight. He fixed it. He got rid of the guys that had the problem. He brought in D'Amico. I am a hundred percent believing that it was him brought in that brought in D'Amico and not Casario that really made that happen. And you got to give Cal credit because that guy, he he fixed it. He made the right moves. He made the right changes. <clears throat> and however we got CJ Stroud, and I don't know if we're ever going to know the full story on you know, which, which guy was it D'Amico? Was it Casario? Was it the combination? Was, was it Cal? But they, they got it. They got it and they got it right.
0: Um, you may never know. I don't even know this guy's name and maybe somebody's going to have to write a book about it, but you know, even, even Bob, like Bob McNair wasn't a great football guy, you know, Um he had his right-hand man, and <laughs> I, I think maybe Cal's got a right-hand man. Maybe, maybe he's found that person over the course of the last, you know, 12 to 16 months. Maybe that person is Hannah. Maybe somebody got in her ear and said, hey, you know what? If you guys want to own, if you guys want to be the face of an nfl football team then you're gonna have to act like it you can't be caught sleeping in a chair during a game you know you uh, can't tank forever you can't continue to let some individual you know just suck the life out of your organization you gotta make a move here Uh, i don't know who that person was or persons was but i think that probably happened because the light bulb just didn't automatically go off for Cal McNair or Hannah McNair. Well, we think.
1: we heard this week Andre saying he went to them and said, "Ah, Easterbee, Easter, sure. B is, Easter B is the problem." So I know. he did. He I did. Mean, I, I, I saw the interview. But and, you know what? And, and we need to give Andre that credit because I haven't met, we haven't mentioned it this week, but that was a biggie.
0: Sure. And the way that Andre Johnson told Will Kunkel of Fox Twenty Six, the way he told that story it's probably a lot juicier than you listening to a monotone Andre Johnson tell it on a newscast. Um, that's probably a one and it probably happened at about a 10, (laughs) you know, like Andre Johnson has about that much personality in front of a camera. And it's probably this big when there's no cameras around.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I, I really think so. Like, (laughs) i really do i've i've never seen him close and i was around him in the locker room and i hey i've even seen him in line at whole foods one time Mm -hmm. and andre is his pulse never gets about you know he's like it's a straight line pulse like he just doesn't so but i'm sure it was a little bit more emphatic (laughs) than just uh hey, you, you might want to get rid of hey that Jack there used to be uh yeah, you you might want to get rid of him. No, yeah. it, it was it was definitely more than that. And for him, remember, he went on social media. We all saw that. So he went public with it too.
0: Oh yeah, sure, sure. I just I my point is here, and it doesn't really matter. They're gonna get the credit. And you know what? I'm cool with giving them the credit because you're probably never really gonna know. I'm just telling you. I don't think the light bulb just went off for Hannah and Cal. Somebody got in their ears, somebody got maybe in their face and was just like, this is the way it has to be. Yeah. And you have to look like you like your husband. You have to look like you like football. You have to talk like this. Let me help you out. I guarantee you they got co- coached up um, because they looked like anything but interested in being the face and voice of an NFL franchise. During these three years, and I do think it was a part of a plan. But you had to listen to the plan, and you had to try your best to not look like complete idiots during enacting of the plan. And so I think, I think
1: they bought in. But let me just let me just point out: you act like somebody told them. Let's give that person credit. Yes, give them that. Give that person credit. But I'm sure people have told. You know, Stano's, uh, I think it's over with the Chargers. The guy's still an idiot. He's probably been told a million times by people around him. Hey, you're doing dumb stuff all the time. Uh, same thing with David Tepper with Carolina. Same thing with um the, uh, what's his name? The guy that just st- sold the commanders. The guy was a clown. You're telling me nobody told him that? But you know what? Cal and Hannah, they listened and they changed. Uh-huh. And, and And let's yeah. give them, let's at least give them this much yeah. of the props for this. No, no,
0: no, yeah, 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 For sure. And to be honest with you, like what's what's cooler in the NFL than a young female, you know, uh wife of a chairman, <laughs> right? A young owner and Hannah McNair, like, she's good looking. How many NFL franchises have that? It looks good. Certainly sounds good. It feels good now that you've got one of the hottest quarterbacks in the entire league into the postseason. It's a great look. It's a massive turn of fortune for them. So awesome. I just hope they continue to listen to the right people, um, continue to make you know good, sound discussions, and don't trust just anybody with major decisions because now you've got a good solid year under your belt of knowing what what it takes to be successful um knowing how much or how little you should trust um you know the people that you've hired to do their jobs to do their job and you've got to build on that now this is still a build okay um, and, and that's just kind of what my hope is, is that they don't think this is easy now going forward. It's no, let's, let's look a little bit more into this. Let's get more serious about it now and be really involved. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is our job. And I I think it could be a fantastic thing for a long time coming. It's, It's a wonder what having a franchise quarterback and a couple of defensive cornerstones do for an organization. Um, And it's going to be fun watching it continue to grow.
1: Catch us on our midweek show. We're going to preview the Texans playoff game. Boy, I like saying a Texans playoff game. That sounds good. We got one more week, one extra bonus week, at least of Texans football. Can't wait. We will talk to you guys again. Go tell your friends about us. Take care, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.